Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. If you're looking for help to grow your business, our guest today shares a resource you might have overlooked, your community bank. Welcome to the Life as Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Josh Friedemann, and our guest today is a longtime Austin entrepreneur currently serving as the chairman and CEO of Keystone Bank. He founded Keystone Bank with a maverick and entrepreneurial approach to local banking that ultimately enables easily accessible financial resources for its community members. Previously, he founded Pioneer Bank in Austin. Under his leadership as the CEO and president, he managed to grow the bank's assets to $1.2 billion and expanded to 22 locations across Texas. Here is Jeff Wilkinson. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Josh. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? I am ready. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? I'm going to give you three sayings that I use today to uh, to get my my message across about what it's like to to be a part of an organization that I'm that I'm leading. But I always say, don't let grass grow under your feet. Bring your track shoes and take every meeting you can take. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? Passionate, energetic, and accessible. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? I've got three. One, are we being open-minded? Are we looking into the future? And do we have a creative mindset and is our team empowered to be creative? What's a book that you would recommend to leaders? The Ideal Team Player by Pat Lencioni. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week, to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Just get out and start selling what you got to offer and, and do it with your team. And if they're not available, then you need to get out there and meet your customers and you need to sell. That's what a leader should be doing, in my opinion. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Anybody knows me, that's 100% why not. Why do you say that? Uh, ask for forgiveness instead of permission. I mean, I, I guess maybe a little bit of a rebellious side of me. It's why why can we not do that? Is I guess it's just it's that's how I'm wired. We'll be back with the rest of our interview right after this. As the leader of your organization, you have a lot on your plate. You work most of your day, leaving you little time to think about your own development. There's a resource for you, and it's called the Leadership Action List. Get the best leadership development tips for leaders by leaders at leadershipactionlist.com. The best news? It's free. Once again, for a year's worth of weekly leadership development, download the Leadership Action List at leadershipactionlist.com. So Jeff, I'm excited to talk with you today. Before the interview we were talking, I was saying it's so great to interview a CEO of a healthy 
relatively large business, and it's it's hard sometimes to get CEOs to to share their experiences and their insights. And I'd love for you to just give some encouragement to leaders of organizations. What would you say about getting out and and sharing the mission and vision of an organization, even if you don't have something specific like a book or a course or whatever else to promote? I think I was afraid to do it because I didn't want to come across as a buffoon or one of these ego-oriented individuals that thinks they're hot stuff. And I, I guess I just was trying to protect myself. And and then I realized I think I have something to say and offer. And it, and, and that's why I got interested in doing it. And I enjoyed the first one. And, and it's just been, you know, I'm talking specifically podcasting, which is new for me. I just don't think there's a better thing that you can be doing than telling your story out into the marketplace to anyone that will listen. And, and, and it helps you hone your hone your message and make sure that you've got the right on point message and that your team understands what that is and gives you a chance to grade your own paper in a way every time you tell it. I would love to hear from you about Keystone Bank. You've had an experience as an entrepreneur over the decades, and you can share as much of your your past history as you'd like, but especially with Keystone Bank. Why Keystone Bank? Why over the last three years have you looked to start up a, a new bank? What's the purpose of it? What's your vision? And what is the difference you want to make in the world through Keystone? Sure, I'd be delighted. This is my second bank in the in the Austin metro area. I did a, I did another bank here that I started in in um, in, in uh, 2007 and exited in 2016. And I really love community banking. I'm an enormous community banking fan. I think that there are a lot of people in this country that understand what a community bank is, and there's still a whole lot of other people that don't know because they've never experienced it. But the power of community banking is enormous from where I'm coming from. It's my background. I've been around community banks my whole life. Community banks are amazing at being uh, creative and helpful to their clients to solve a problem that someone needs. And you have access to the decision makers and your decisions are made locally. They're not made elsewhere. We're a for-profit entity. We hire, we have incredible talent in the banking industry and we have just incredible talent to bring to bear that has seen so much. And uh, we, I, I just think it's the best place for an entrepreneur to turn to when they want to think about banking. They should be thinking about who's the local community bank and how far away am I at, uh, from the decision makers in that organization. So that's a little bit about the why. I wanted to start one in Austin, Texas that was for founders and builders and entrepreneurs and professionals and executives and their friends and their family and their network. And you know, this is a massively growing town, very underserved in the local community bank space, which may not be apparent to most people. It is to me because that's the world I live in. But we we just think this is a, you, as an entrepreneur, you should have access to a local bank. You should not have to turn your sites to some other bank that's headquartered somewhere else that has your decision potentially overruled by someone in another city or another market or another another state. And so- we, we we have a, we have we have several other local community banks here that have done really really well. It's just we're pretty underrepresented. It, so I wanted to start one to to do that. Keystone Bank, meaning to me the the keystone of the. You, know, you think of an arch. The, you know the keystone is in the center and it's at the top and it's the strongest piece and that's what keeps an arch together. And I kind of feel that same way about a community bank. Is like it's you know they're they're the they're the keystone of the the, the foundation of the community and. And so we we launched uh, we launched in 2018. We raised 
about 21. Uh, originally, we raised 31 million in 2018 from about 180 shareholders, uh, mostly local individuals. We have a few institutional groups that got excited about what we're doing that, 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 that bought in. And we've been off and running, as they say, since that point in time. So we've already doubled our business plan in, in two and a half years in terms of size. We've, we've, we've just, we closed the second round of capital in 2020, right before the, right as the pandemic was really hitting hard in mid, mid-March of 20. And then we just had an incredibly successful capital raise. We raised $21.2 million in 45 days. And that capital is what gives us the the the. the the, the growth capital, it's a very capital intensive business. We have a lot of ratios that are tied to capital. And so this really helps us. We're about a $465 million total asset bank today, which is almost double what we thought we'd be in five years. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with the timing of being a community bank when there's stresses in the financial sector. <laughs> Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to hear how you were able to serve. You mentioned founders, entrepreneurs, and their networks during the time of the coronavirus, because you've obviously been able to grow much faster than expected. Was that because you were able to help people out in a heightened way during that time? What were some things that you did, maybe specifically that only you as a community bank could have done? I don't know if there's uh, that we were doing things that only a community bank could do, because we weren't. But when the pandemic hit and the PPP loan opportunity came and the government said, we're going to distribute that through the banking system, you know, we were on overdrive. We were a brand new bank. We were a startup. Uh, we had capacity. You know, a lot of these other banks had enormous customers' uh, bases to get through, and they were really leaving people behind. They weren't able to communicate well, and people were really just trying to figure out Who's a local bank that I could talk to the team locally, get a quick decision, get a quick answer. Can you help me or not? And we had the entire bank working on it seven days a week till two in the morning for months because we weren't doing anything else. Most everything else dried up relatively quickly. And so I would just say, you know, every time that there's a risk out there in the financial world, like in my last bank that I started, I started it in May of 07 and then, as you know, uh, all things kind of fell apart in late 07, early 08. That was a wonderful time for all community banks across the country, as was this period of stress right now, because people want to know who their banker is and they want to be able to walk in and, and say hello to them and not have to call an 800 number. So community banks really were the ones that cleaned up. The larger banks really suffered because they just were not prepared for being able to help all their clients. And then all those clients found their way to us. And then they started talking amongst each other in their Slack channels in, our, in the you know in the tech world in Austin. And and a lot of these entrepreneurs like what's called Jeff and his team at Keystone, they, they do a good job. So the word of mouth got out pretty quickly. All we've got to do is execute, you know, don't drop the ball. And that's, that's, that's what we do. I believe a, a, a word that you used earlier was, was creative. I'd like for you to share some of the creative things that you as a community bank are able to do with entrepreneurs in the Austin area, but, but specifically so that people who, regardless of where they are listening to this episode right now, throughout the nation or throughout the world, can begin thinking about how can I be uh, creative when I'm working with a smaller organization? Is it just the proximity to power to people, or are there some other things you're able to do as a community bank? 
you know, speed is huge. So, you know, the one throat to choke theory really works. You, you know, who's throat to choke in a community bank because you can walk into and you can see that president, you know, in his office um, or that CEO in his office. So, but speed is huge for a community bank. We don't typically, you don't, you're not bound by a credit committee at a board in some other state. Okay. It's a big deal. And, and our, and our speed factor just can't be touched. You know, the larger the organization, the more the bureaucracy, the more people that have to get their hands all over it, the more people that have to bless over a particular loan that you're trying to do for someone is that takes just a lot of time. And, and it really frustrates the borrowers. So speed is huge uh, for us in the community banking space. Creativity is, are we, are any, t- I mean, you, you have to be, you have to be ready for the future. I mean, we, there's so many things that we've tried to approach with, why can we not do that? I know we helped a startup here locally that was really, really an amazing startup. And we took warrants on the credit facility that we put in place. And most, most community banks would, would probably not want to do that. Or, you know, and we, we were like, well, how do we do that? And we were, we, we were able to work with the private equity or the venture capital firm that was, that was launching with them um, and the CEO of the company. And they said, look, we, it's so critical that we have a local bank on the front end of this transaction. Um, and ultimately, we're going to need way more than a local bank can fund. And we, so we, we kind of knew going in, we were going to be out of a job, you know, very short term, not, I think, you know, probably 12 to 18 months on the outside going in. I just think a lot of banks would look at that and go, that's too much work for too little upside for me. I'm just not going to do it. And we, we figured it out and we did it and they love us for it. And we knew that going in, we were not, we were going to be replaced by a much, much larger, like Silicon Valley type bank. Um, that could f- help fund them through their next phase. But it was critical that they executed in phase one and they had to have access to a local bank. And we did it. And so there's all other, there's plenty of other examples of creativity. Uh, podcasting, we built our bank downtown. We have this podcast room. I thought, you know, we need to be open to the future. And podcasting is a really interesting way for people to have a dialogue and conversation today. And so um, we've done all kinds of creative things. People like to say, think outside the box, right? And then they look at me and they go, but Jeff's never in his box. And it, that gives you any idea of kind of our mindset. It's like you take an idea all the way till the end, till it just, you've absolutely run it to ground. And there's consensus that it's an awesome thing to do for us as an organization, or we just are going to pass. And I think that that's when I say creative, I mean, you have to empower your people to think creatively, and then you have to encourage them to pursue creative thoughts and ideas. You can't spend all your day dreaming. You have to get through that part of it. But if you're not, if you're not being creative, then your customers are going to suffer because not everything fits in the same box. Some of what you've just been saying connects with something you said earlier, talking about the old culture and and how you need to always be thinking about what are the, the new things to bring in, the, the new things to try. That being said, I'd love to hear how you think about, you know, from the top of the organization, how you think about making sure you're not just kind of sitting in an old culture, but also that you're not bringing in new things and kind of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Any any thoughts on how to balance those two? Maybe times where you've done that really well, times that you could share with us as cautionary tales. 
you know, a lot of other industries don't have, we're required to have boards in banks. So you can never go wrong by having a, a energetic, enthusiastic group of people on your board of directors that all bring skill sets to the table so that you don't get overwhelmed with the the, the, the one that's the all gas because you can't you can't give on credit quality in the banking industry. So that's the bottom line. You can make a lot of money, but you can also lose a lot of money if you make the bad if you make bad loans. If you have bad credit culture, bad bad underwriting, you're going too fast, you're just lending money to anybody that needs it. You have to have strong credit culture. So that would be an example of where you cannot throw the what I'll call the history to the street and you have to have people on your board of directors that understand that. And then you have to have the entrepreneurs that are like, well, well what if we grow doing it this way? So you got those, you, 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 and you have to be able to let both ruminate and be successful together. I don't know any other way to do it. So you can't just, you, you can't do it yourself and you can't have all the ideas. And, and uh, I would just say, leave the ego at home is kind of my thing. Be accessible, be energetic, be passionate. That's what your team wants to see. Your board wants you to see you being a, a, a balance of creativity with good decision and making without going too fast. And your community wants you to be there for them when they need you. And I think it's a powerful way, but I, I, you cannot let go of the past relative to credit quality. That remains the number one important thing that all of us do in this bank is we make good credit bets. One thing that I think would be helpful to hear from you as well is questions that entrepreneurs, business owners, business leaders of any type need to be need to be asking when they go to a local bank. So if you're thinking about joining a, a community bank and beginning to at least in some way divorce yourself from some of these larger national banks, what are some things that people can be asking so they make the right choice for the right community bank that will help them grow their business? I would definitely want to know a little bit about the history of the organization. I'd want to make sure that the organization's clientele matches the direction of what you represent to the organization. I'd want to make sure they're well capitalized. I'd want to make sure that I got I knew who the decision makers were and where they were where they were at. I'd want to know who was going to be my day-to-day contact on the depository side and who my who my lender would be if I'm borrowing money currently or if I might need to borrow money in the future. Th- those are some of the main questions I I'd, I'd, I'd be asking. I'd I'd want I'd want to be banking with a local community bank that was a growth-oriented community bank instead of just just kind of managing what they have. So, so I think you can tell sometimes just by meeting people whether they're aggressive and energetic and enthusiastic or not. But I think you've got to you've got to see that too. So we we do from time to time we'll get a call from somebody that says, I'm, I'm, I'm gathering term sheets. Would you like to participate? I would just, to this day, I wish hope every entrepreneur would understand it's really not the right way to do it. Um, you really, you really need to find the best person that's going to give you the best service. And that's a two way street. And you need to really work on that relationship. You can't ask a banker to give you their very best, but to pay the, to pay the cheapest rate of anybody that you can get in town. I, I think that the really successful CEOs and founders and entrepreneurs understand the difference. 
And the ones that struggle are the ones that think that banking is a commodity because it's not. It is maybe to them and maybe to their business, which I think will have a direct impact on their business later at some point. No one should pay more than they have to. But, you know, spending all your day negotiating banks and pitting banks against each other because you want to make sure that you get the last nickel out of a negotiated deal is really not high on what I would consider to be a quality community financial institutions list of customers. Somebody that spends the time to make sure that they're getting the very best that they can get as quickly as they can get it and they're moving back on over here to making money. Those are the very successful entrepreneurs. Those are what we're filled with at Keystone Bank. They treat us like we have a premium service and that they're a premium client to us and and uh, they understand that there's value and access and service. So Jeff, I really appreciate you sharing on the podcast today. Before we finish up the interview, is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with, whether something that we haven't had a chance to talk about or something you think is so important from what we've talked about today that you want to make sure that you reiterate it before we finish up our interview today? Josh, I just there's so many things that go through my head on a day-to-day basis. Just be you is probably the last thing that I, I've got to remember that every day. Just be who I am and not try to be something that I'm not. And so- I just think just be you and have fun being you and be proud of being you and surround yourself with people that really have complementary skill sets and get out of your own way and do it with them, do it together and just start, just kill it. Just get after it and just kill it. That's my message to entrepreneurs uh, and any leader. Get out there and kill it. Go get more than your fair share of the business. And I think that that's what I'll leave you with. We should all be focused on how do I go out there and get more than my fair share of the business. And if people have enjoyed what you've shared today and want to learn more about Keystone or want to follow what you're doing, first of all, maybe if they're in the Austin area, where can they go? And then if they are anywhere else throughout the nation or world, where would you like them to go to find out more about you and the work that you're doing? We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, but our website is keystone.bank, www.keystone.bank. Jeff, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to follow up, remember, as always, links are in the show notes below. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. 
The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, Business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If Business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon, and until then, keep living and leading well.